it is tempting, especially when tensions are high in the culture around us and the news is all people seem to talk about, it is tempting to expect sermons to be ripped from the headlines. It is tempting to want a sermon to tell us what to think on this very day. I do pray that God's word will be relevant, challenging, and helpful to you today and always, but perhaps that will not happen in this sermon in the way that you expect. In today's reading, I see a theme that is appropriate for today, but it's not just for today, and it's not just for this week, and it's not unique to this story. This is a theme that comes to us again and again and again in Scripture. We are told to trust God and to follow, and to do so one day at a time. In the past year, taking things one day at a time has taken on new meaning. We wonder when school or church will return to normal. We wonder when folks in senior living communities will again be able to move about freely. We wonder about any number of normal activities. And many of us have learned to stop trying to predict what things will be like six months from now or one month from now, but to take things a day at a time. We've learned a lot about this in the past year, but the reality is that life has always been just as uncertain as it is now. A year ago in January, most of us were pretty confident about what 2020 was going to look like, and we could not have been more wrong. The control we thought we had over our lives and our schedules was revealed to be an illusion. Optimistically, I hope that one of the life lessons we are learning is to be more realistic about how much we can control. In recognizing the limits of our control, we might learn to trust God more deeply. So, with that as a backdrop, I invite you to reflect with me today on this story from the Gospel of John and its lesson to trust God and to follow one day at a time. Let's take a close look into the words of this story. The Gospel of John begins quite differently than the stories of Jesus that are told in Matthew and Mark and Luke. John tells no story of Jesus' birth or of Jesus' childhood. There's no Mary and Joseph, no shepherds or wise men, no manger or star. John starts in much more cosmic fashion with this grand philosophical statement, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When John introduces Jesus, he wants his reader to know right away who we are dealing with. In Jesus, God's eternal wisdom is made available to us ordinary people. This powerful revelatory statement will be followed again and again in John's Gospel by miraculous, life-changing things that happen. The miraculous, life-changing presence that Jesus has in the lives of the people who follow him. So, the presenting question in the first chapters of John seems to be this. 
How does a regular person get in on the amazing life of faith Jesus has in store for us? And that's what we get to see in today's story. Jesus calls his disciples, and we get to see how regular people get in on his amazing life and his divine wisdom. In the story, we meet John the Baptist, followed by four other disciples, Peter and Andrew, Philip and Nathaniel. John, we've talked about many times before, He's exceptional in the Gospels because he totally understands who Jesus is. He gets it. The other four are more like you and me. They come along slowly, two by two, and they have their doubts. Here's the phrase I'm hoping you'll remember from today's sermon. Some of you might have noticed it from the sermon title. There's a thing Jesus says to the disciples he calls. He says it more than once. When they ask him questions about what he is up to, he invites them to follow. And he does that by saying, come and see. Come and see. Jesus issues an open invitation to people who show an interest in what he is doing. This is what he does with these four disciples. Andrew from a little town called Bethsaida. Here's John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, and he goes to tell his brother, Simon Peter. The two of them start to walk along behind Jesus, and Jesus turns to them and simply asks, what are you looking for? Curious, maybe wanting to know more about this man who is a mystery to them, they ask Jesus, Rabbi, where are you staying? Jesus' answer is a simple invitation. Come and see. The next day, Jesus continues to a new place, to Galilee, the countryside outside of Nazareth. A man named Philip from that same town, Bethsaida, meets Jesus who gives him an invitation. Follow me. Philip goes to get his friend Nathaniel. He tells him that they must follow this man Jesus from Nazareth. He seems to be the one Moses spoke about, the Savior that they need. Philip is skeptical. He doesn't believe a real Savior could be from some little nowhere town, and he asks Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip simply extends Jesus' invitation to Nathaniel. He says to him, come and see. Come and see. It's a brave invitation because Jesus is taking a chance. There is no savvy marketing or persuasive arm twisting. People might follow Jesus and decide that they don't need what he's offering. And on top of that, he's fully transparent. Jesus does not make discipleship sound any less challenging than it really is. He just wants them to come and see. And whether they decide to join him or not, well, that's up to them. The other thing I see in this come and see strategy is that it will happen one day at a time. When Jesus asks these disciples to follow him, there is no promise of future greatness. There is no timeline for success. There is no contract. There isn't a clearly defined goal or a mission statement. There's just 
come and see. One day at a time, they will follow him. Each day, they might have to ask the question over again, do I really want to follow this Jesus? And each day, his answer will again be the same. Come and see. The reason that Jesus' strategy works is because following him is the right place to be. At every turn along the way, they will see in Jesus' human life a life lived to its fullest. They will see the lame walk and the blind see. They will see the hungry fed and the powerless treated with dignity. They will see the privileged told not to turn a blind eye to the needs of others. They will see Jesus treat every person he meets as a child of God. For that is who they are. His strategy of come and see will never fail in its integrity. It is important to note that this is not a passive strategy. The disciples are not invited just to be onlookers. They are invited to participate, to join in the work. When Jesus asks them to come and see, he sends them out. He gives them the power to do the things that he does. He acknowledges that it won't always be easy. He says that sometimes they will be rejected by people who don't get it. But when that happens, they've got to shake the dust off their feet and move on. One day at a time, they've got to keep moving. One of the best models of this kind of living is the man we celebrate this weekend, Dr. King. To be sure, his life and ministry was marked by a mission that he had to take on one day at a time, and it involved as many setbacks as victories. It is not over yet. In the last Sunday sermon Dr. King ever preached, he talked about his work and its relationship with time. He talked about the many people who entreated him to be more patient, who said that in time people would change their hearts and that things would get better. He replied clearly that the work of faithful people is not to be passive in the face of time, but to realize that time can be used either constructively or destructively. But time is never neutral. We have to keep committing to make the most of each and every day. Here are some of his words about it. Somewhere, we must come to see that human progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts and the persistent work of dedicated individuals who are willing to be co-workers with God. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the primitive forces of social stagnation. So we must help time and realize that the time is always ripe to do right. I began this sermon by indicating that today's story offers us this timeless wisdom, which is certainly true enough today. Trust God, follow, and do so one day at a time.
The invitation to trust God may sound at first like an invitation to passivity, but that couldn't be further from the truth. It is an invitation to action, to vigilance, to endurance, to thoughtfulness, to keep struggling for the better life for all of God's people. It is an invitation that is honestly challenging, but that tells us to never get discouraged. God invites us to come and see, one day at a time. It's an invitation to participate, to be part of what God is doing in the world. How will that invitation shape your life this day?